The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us, our services are Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We would love for you to be our guests. We hope you consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting the donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, Wednesday Church, how you guys doing tonight? You are here. You made it. Happy New Year. I love that video. You guys maybe don't know, but Mason used to have dreadlocks just like that. So those are actually his dreadlocks. Is that not weird? He chopped them off and kept them. So anyway... You can give him a hard time for that. Uh, parents keep stranger things than that. So anyway, we're so glad that you're here. If you are new, uh, welcome to Wednesday Night Church. Uh, if you've responded to our plea to, to migrate from Sunday to Wednesday, thank you so much. Uh, last week, I think we had over 350 adults in the second service in here, and it's just, it's packed. And so I'm excited, guys. I'm excited about 2016, about what's coming. Um, I've had two weeks to prepare a message, and that's never a good thing for me. So, um, and we got a lot to, to do today, so pray for me as I try to stick to the notes, and, uh, and don't go too far off of that. Christmas was fun, wasn't it? Man, I had a blast. We had four services. Um, it was amazing. We, uh, here's the thing to celebrate. We had close to what would equate to about 5% of the population of Eagle River come through our doors. Can we give God a hand for that? Isn't that awesome? That is 5% of the population of our city that came, heard about Jesus, and was given a, respond, uh, a chance to respond to Jesus. And so that is something to celebrate. I, we got done. I walked to the back there, and Dwayne, our produ- production director, he's like, so Easter is coming. And I'm like, I don't even know, man. I have no idea what we're going to do. So pray for our leadership team. We're doing a lot of praying. We're just trying to think what is next for our church with where we're going. Uh, we really feel like there's some, some momentum here. And one of the coolest things we feel like is that, that there is a kingdom work happening in our city. And, and there is there isn't every city. It's just, I don't know if, uh, if people are a part of what God is doing. And, and I feel like God is starting a movement. And we as a, as a gathering are saying, God, what are you doing? We want to be a part of it. And I think that we're doing it. Also, I wanted to update you on, uh, we sent out a, a letter at the end of the year. It's always a, a time to just uh, kind of uh, talk about year-end giving, and so we did our, our red envelope offering, and uh, another thing to celebrate, we had close to $60,000 come in over our normal income, so praise God for that. Isn't that huge? So yeah, I don't know, that is a big deal, you guys. That it's, I don't know if you know this, but this place does not run on, uh, on prayers. It does run on money too, you know? And so Jesus brings us the money. Thank you for that. Um, reindeer don't just show up. They cost money. Uh, candy canes and eggnog and all that stuff and staff. And we have an amazing team, an amazing staff. And so we're so grateful for all of you who step up and who are stepping up this next year to support the ministry going on here. Um, but uh, we are excited. One more thing that we're doing all the month of January is something called Check-In for Change. And one thing we did is we talked about how part of our vision is to leverage our resources to do the most good in our city. And uh, we do a lot of advertising. We want to get the word out about what's happening here and, uh, and get people in the doors to share the gospel with them. And so we decided to pull back on some of the finances that we would normally spend on advertising. And we're going to spend a little bit of money. Um, and every five check-ins on Facebook is going to provide a meal for somebody from the downtown soup kitchen. And so that's what we're going to do is we're going to support. We're going to give meals to people. So during the service, if you want to get on Facebook, you can Facebook during church. We're cool with that. And uh, check into ACF Church. You can say something about the church or about your evening here. And uh, five check-ins gives a meal to somebody all through January. We're excited to do that. So uh, this is the struggle. We're talking about our struggles. We've got five weeks as we enter this new year, it's a new year, a new you, new opportunities, and new struggles, right? And some of you are already struggling. Some of you have already broken your New Year's resolutions, right? You're like, that was a waste of time. I already blew it. So today I want to talk to you about what it looks like to be authentic, what it looks like to be real. Everybody loves real people, real communities. We all want the real thing. We don't want some kind of facsimile. Nobody likes generic foods, right? We like the real thing. My mom bought the generic Fruit Loops once for me, and I was like, what is this? This is horrible, right? I want the real Fruit Loops, mom. We like the real 
thing. And so um, there's a big conversation, I think, to have when it comes to being real with each other, because this is a hard thing in the church. It's a, it's a place that people put on a lot of masks, a place that, place that people aren't always themselves. And then what happens is you blow it, and the people around you see it. And when that happens, you have an opportunity, right? How will you respond when you blow it? How will you respond when you mess up? And uh, something kind of public like this happened recently, and I want to show you this clip if you haven't already seen it. Miss Universe 2015 is... I have to apologize. The first runner-up is Colombia. Miss Universe 2015 is Philippines. Oh my gosh. Have, did you see that? Oh my goodness. It's like you can't look away. It's so bad. Oh my gosh. So poor Steve Harvey, right? If you haven't seen all the craziness on social media, this guy is just, he dealt with it so well. That's the big deal. Like, so his response, he, he responded on Twitter and, uh, and it was beautiful. He said, I want to apologize empathetically to Miss Philippines and Miss Columbia. This was a terrible honest human mistake, and I am so regretful. So he just, he went out with it. And if you actually dig into things, there was a couple things that went wrong. The teleprompter I've heard was wrong. And, and there's just, been, there was a few issues that happened there, but all around, he just made a mistake, right? He just blew it and the whole world found out. And in that moment, he had an opportunity. What are you going to do? Are you going to own it? Are you going to try to blame people? Because there's one thing to, to, that happens. When you start blaming people in a situation like that, it's like blood in the water, right? The sharks start coming. People eat you alive. But he dealt with it well. And I have to be honest with you. I, I respect him. I don't really know this guy. But for the way that he responded to it, there's a respect that I have there, right? I mean, a lot of people um, maybe didn't even hear about this guy. I didn't know who he was before this. But now that they saw him respond this way, I think that he can move on in his career. But had he tried to deny it, had he tried to find a way to blame somebody else, it would have been a mess, just a feeding frenzy. Uh, flip over to Matthew 7. Matthew 7 verse 13 is where we're going to start off, I think, every week in this series. Uh, this is a kind of a launching passage for the struggle. It says this, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This is where we want to start. Because it is so hard to deal with your issues. It is so hard to just be honest about your problems. You guys, I do it too. And, and in the church, it's one of those places that I think a lot of times people cover up a lot of things. And so I want to get honest with you for a few minutes. Can we be honest? Can we be honest at church? You guys down with that? Can you be honest in church? Okay, you ready? Are you ready? So I want everybody to do this. Just every, there you go. Come on. It's okay. Just put your hand up. I know, I know it's weird. The pastor's making me raise my hand. It's, it's okay. You guys can, okay, that's good. You can interact in church. We're an interactive group here. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions, and I'm just looking for hands. So the first thing is this. Does anybody hope that coming to church tonight is going to make some kind of positive difference in their life? Awesome. Sweet. We're, we're starting off well. I like this. Um, who wants to be part of an authentic church? A, a real church, authentic church. I love that. I want to be part of a real church. Um, if you're a married person, to be honest, this is okay. Who had a disagreement with your spouse? <laughs> wow, I love you guys. You're so honest. Okay. 
Anytime in the past week, anytime in the past week, disagreement with a spouse, yep, yep, yep. 30 minutes, yes, on the way to church, five minutes ago, yes, okay, that's beautiful, we're real about that. Who has experienced the post-holiday letdown? A little bit of that depression, like, all right, the, the, you know, the tree's down, all the decorations are down, I'm kind of bummed out. Yep, me too, I felt that. So we're going to get a little harder, we're a little, a little harder here. Who hasn't read your Bible since last week when Stuart read it for you? Okay, 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 we got some honesty in the room, that's good, just be honest, it's good to be honest. Any single people here hoping just to get a date? Okay, I'm helping you out. Mason's in the back. Eligible bachelor, that guy right there. That's all right. That's all right. We're being real here. We're being honest. Does anybody have a problem with somebody that you have not dealt with? Okay. Okay, you got some problems. We got some people with some problems with some other people. Let's go a little harder. A little bit harder here. You ready? Okay. Okay, we're being real. Has anyone... Drank too much, ate too much, or spent too much in the past month? Oh, my gosh. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. Okay, no, that means I have a job to do. Okay, that's good. Okay. Everybody, one of those categories. Um, who's going to come back to church next week? Yay! I love it. I love it. Come back to Wednesday night. Don't come to Sunday. Yeah, right. Just, just slow down. Just slow down on me. How about this? Would anybody be more likely to come back to church if we were giving away Apple Watches? Okay, but you're all coming back anyway, so it doesn't matter, right? I love that. I love that. Has anybody ever gone to the bathroom during the offering so you didn't have to deal with that awkward moment when the plate passes you by and you won't put anything in? Okay, good, good, good. A few of you are being honest. That's, that's good. That's good. Let's end where we started. Who wants to be part of an authentic church? Okay, everybody wants to be part of an authentic church. So it's hard. It's hard to be real, and we just, we're just tip of the iceberg here. But there's a lot going on in your life and in my life. And if we're honest, we're kind of a mess, aren't we? Any amens on that one? We're kind of a mess. And if you're not ready to acknowledge that, you're not ready to move forward. And as you start into, into your new year, many of you have made new resolutions. You've maybe already broke those resolutions. Uh, that's okay. But the, the place to begin is to realize, my life is sort of a mess. I need help. And the reason people, I think, come to ACF Church is because this is a place for messy people. This is a place for people that don't always get it right. And we've said we, we're a church for the unchurched and the de-churched, that you don't have to believe to belong at ACF Church. You can have questions and doubts, and that's okay. And people want to be part of a community that is honest about themselves and honest about who they are. Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. If I sat down with you, the thing that would uh, probably cause me to wrestle with being honest is the fact that I truthfully don't always like who I really am. Anybody else with me? I don't always like who I really am. And uh, so what I've found is, as a military kid going from school to school to school is uh, it was really cool. Every two or three years, I could redefine myself. Maybe you did this growing up. But I would go to a new school, and I would seek out the coolest, most popular, most influential kids in school. And I would watch them. And I would see what they wear. I'd find the bands that they listened to, or the, the, the music that they liked, the, the movies that they liked. And I would just indulge myself in everything that was them. And what I found really quickly is that if you can become like somebody that people like, they'll like you too. It's so strange. Like, and then all of a sudden, you can kind of get the feeling that they like who you are. But at some point, you know, late at night or early in the morning when it's just you and your thoughts, you start to feel a little like a hypocrite. And you start to wonder, does anybody really like me for who I am? Because I'm not sure that I really like myself for who I am. And it becomes this downward spiral where we start to hide ourselves just so that we can feel loved and accepted. Uh, flip over to 1 John 1. And this is going to be our passage for the morning. 1 John 1, verse 5 is where we're going to hang out this morning. Sorry, I'm, I'm still Sunday morning. That's, uh, that's where I'm at. Call me on that. i got to work that out of my language here. So... Verse 5 says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. 
and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. What he's saying here is he's getting to the root of the problem. And the problem in the church is that it's full of all kinds of people who have had their sins illuminated, but who still walk in the darkness. We do this a lot. We realize we're a mess. Like we all just said it. We're kind of a wreck. But we still continue to walk as if Christ hasn't come in and done anything in our lives, which is actually a lie. Because Christ has changed us and we're new. And that means that we have a new life to live. He's saying this makes no sense, that you would be in the light but walk as if you are in the darkness. That makes no sense. And so what happens is people look in at the church and they go, what difference does this place make? What difference does it make? And, and many churches are not authentic or not real about their junk. And so people from the outside looking in go, why would I want to be a part of that? I'd never fit in there. Uh, in his book, uh, What's So Amazing About Grace, author Philip Yancey, he talks about, he's talking with this prostitute that he runs into. And he's sharing the good news of Jesus with her. And, you know, her life's kind of a mess. And he, he encourages her to find a, a local church to be a part of. And her response was this, why would I want to do that? I already feel awful enough about myself. Do you know people that would say that? That if you're like, hey, come to my church, that this is the, this is the sense that we have of people in our culture. And that's what we're trying to change here as, as ACF Church, is that people would have a, a different way of seeing the gathering of the body of Christ. That they would see the mess and the beauty. They would see that, okay, yeah, it's dark, but there's also a light. And there is all of this illumination that comes from Christ. And we can be real with each other and move forward together. And this is how the church becomes a a country club for the clean instead of a hospital for the hurting. And we want to be a hospital for hurting people. And so could we pray together? And we're going to walk through this passage together. Jesus, thank you for everybody here today. God, it's, it's halfway through the week. We got plenty of time to, to screw this up. And we need grace. And we need to be honest about ourselves and honest with each other. Uh, God, I confess I can't do this alone. And I need people who are in my corner. People who know me. People who I know love me uh, no matter what. And God, I know everybody in the room needs that. So I pray we could be that for each other. That we can be that kind of community. God, that in Eagle River and in Alaska, there could be a different tone when people talk about church. They talk about Christians, that people would have a a different taste in their mouth when they talk about people like us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Authenticity. Authenticity. So let's start with this. Let's start with this. For a lot of people, I would say that the first authentic move you need to make tonight is that if you're honest, you probably don't want to be as authentic as you want to be. What we tend to do is we choose the things we want to be authentic about so that we can come off as authentic and then we hide the other stuff in the corner. Do you do this? I do this. I've got stuff that I'm real about with people, the things I'm comfortable confessing with others, and then the things that I hope nobody ever, ever sees. There's this guy David in the Bible, and I think David does a beautiful job as a man who is an adulterer and a murderer who goes to God and just says, my life is a wreck. He says this in Psalm 51. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And that's how it is, right? Your sin's always right in front of you. You're always aware of it. Now, people around you don't necessarily know that it's there, but you're always very, very aware of it. So what do we do when we're aware of our sins? We hide it. We try to cover it up. Uh, I remember back in high school, I was, uh, I was at my youth group, and it was a Wednesday night, and I showed up, and I was just feeling a little sick, feeling a little off. And I was on the youth leadership team, and so I'm meeting with my youth pastor, and we're talking about some stuff. And I walked out of the room, and I got down the hallway, and I'm like, I'm going to lose it. You know, this is bad. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss my cookies everywhere. So I, I run into the bathroom, and like before I could get to the toilet, it was just explosion. I mean, just the technicolor uh, is bad everywhere. And, and now, like I'm 16, 
And now, like, I'm embarrassed. I just made a huge mess of everything. And there's, I'm looking underneath the counter. There's, you know, no, uh, no paper towels left, and there's no mop in here. And so you know what I do? I walk over to the sink, and, you know, they've got the little potpourri, the cinnamon, the cinnamon. And I, I spray the cinnamon everywhere, and then I just leave. And I go back into my youth meeting, and I sit down like nothing ever happened. And so we're, we're getting ready. It's like half an hour before youth group's getting going. And, and one of the other student leaders, they come in and they go, they go, Matt, Pastor Matt, things are a mess in the bathroom. You got to see this. And I'm like, no way, no way. And so we go walking into the bathroom and I'm like, this is horrible. Who would, and there's nobody else in the church, right? And I'm the only one that's left the group, but I'm like convincing myself that nobody knows. And my youth pastors, he played along so nice. He was a really kind guy. And he's like, okay, let's get this cleaned up. And so we spent the next 20 minutes with mops and buckets, cleaning up this horrible mess that I made. And I never admitted to it. I just, the whole time I was like, this is so, so disrespectful. Who would do something like this and not admit it? I can't believe it. What? What a mess. This is so, it's just so bad, right? I think I, I'm, I'm going to send him this podcast because he still doesn't know. But uh, he will remember this horrible, horrible day. All I could think to do was cover up the mess. What's so strange about that, looking back on it, is, is I really convinced myself in the moment that I had, I had done it. Like, they had no idea. That's so good. I barely made it by, you know. And looking back, I'm like, they all knew. Of course they knew. He knew. He just didn't say anything about it. But that's what, what happens when we start covering our stuff up. What typically happens is we convince ourselves that, that we've done a good job, but everybody around us knows, right? Everybody around us can see all of our messes a lot better than we can. 1 John 1, 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So what he's saying here is basically that the church... The church is a place of light. The church is a gathering of those who have been illuminated by Christ, and we can see all of our stuff. And that when you're in Christ, it should make us the most authentic place in the world. Like, when you come to church, it should be so real. Like, something that you've never seen before. And it's almost like, like he's saying, like, Christ is kind of like that person that you know that sees through all of your, your lies. Do you know somebody like that? Maybe it's your mom. Uh, maybe it's a good friend. Uh, maybe it's your dad. Maybe you know somebody that when you talk to them, they look right through you. Can you think of that person? And they can see it. And they know when you're lying. And they know when you're faking it. They know even when you're talking about something else and you're acting happy and you're acting like everything is okay. They know when things are not right. He's saying in Christ, when you're in Christ, Christ knows. And he illuminates all that stuff and brings it all to the surface so that we can deal with the real problem. But the problem is when everything comes to the surface, the first response is to push it down and hide it. Just to hide it. Or what a lot of Christians do is we try to deal with other things so we don't have to deal with the real things, right? It's like, I've got this addiction over here, and that's a really big problem. So let's, let's push this over here, and let's go deal with something easier over here, you know? I'll, I'll just deal with my, you know, I, I, I'm lying occasionally. I'll try not to lie anymore. That's good, God. That'll please you, right, God? But there's this huge monster in the corner of our lives that we're hoping we don't have to ever deal with. In Christ, all of that is equally illuminated, and it's, it's brought to the surface so that we can deal with it so that we aren't imprisoned by our lies and deception. Have you experienced this where you are doing so much to try to convince the people around you that, that you're okay or that you're not doing things that you are doing or that you are doing things that you're not doing? You're so busy doing that that it's exhausting. I mean, just exhausting. And don't in this new year, don't you want to feel like you can just be you? That you can just be honest about all that stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to raise my hand. No, I don't do this, but I should. Or I'm going to raise my hand and say, no, I am doing this, and it's a mess, and I need help. I need to get through this. Don't be imprisoned by your lies. I've got a few things for us here, um, because this is really all about peace. And I, I want, as we come into this new year, for you to know that peace does not come from perfection. That you don't have to fix all of these problems to experience peace this next year. Guess what? They're going to keep coming. 
That's the journey that we're on as, as Christians. If you're a believer here tonight, we're on this journey of continually going deeper and deeper into our souls. And, and as we do, we, re, we, we realize new things, right? Like, you may be a Christian, you might be, have been a Christian for your entire life. You've got this long story of God working through your life, and you found out something last week that you never knew about yourself. That's the journey we're on. At no point do you ever arrive at perfection. This is a journey of finding out new things. And on the journey, we're going to have to be honest with ourselves and honest with God. The first thing is this. Be honest with yourself. Be brutally honest with yourself. Do you guys know that uh, no one has ever lied to you as much as you? And this is, this is the scariest one, I think, out of all of them, is what, what would happen if you weren't really who you think that you are? Is that terrifying to anybody else? Because it scares me a lot. I mean, what would happen if you thought you were a certain way, but you're really not that way? What would happen if you had deceived yourself into thinking things that were not true? And, and we do this. We, we deceive ourselves all the time. We say, no, I really care about that thing. I'm just going to get to it later, you know? We say, oh, that's not that big of a deal. I'm sure that will deal with itself. We say, oh, no, no, I, I just don't have time for that in my life right now. Anybody use that one? I don't have time for all kinds of things that I should be doing. It's a matter of priorities, right? When really we make up excuses and we actually start believing them. Have you ever lied so much that you start believing your own lies? That's scary. Oh, you probably know somebody who's done that, but I'm sure it's not any of us, right? It's like, that's the whole point. We, it, we don't know that we do it. We lie to ourselves. Verse 6 says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. He says there's a tension here that when you say, I am submitting myself to God. I'm a follower of Jesus, yet I walk over here in the darkness, hiding my sins, hiding my mistakes, acting like they're not here. There's a tension there. And he's like, he's saying, listen, you are lying. You're not practicing the truth. And this is why I actually, this may seem really weird to hear from a pastor, but I actually appreciate people who are openly rebellious towards God. Does that sound weird? I actually appreciate people who are, now I don't appreciate that they're rebellious towards God, but I appreciate that they're openly rebellious towards God. You might have friends that are like, yeah, I'm not a believer, I'm not a Christian, I do all kinds of things. Or maybe it's you, you're like, yeah, Brian, I, I'm not convinced that any of this is true, and so I act this way. And if I sat down with you, you would be honest about that. You'd say, yes, this is my life, this is the stuff that I do. If you have a problem with it, I don't know what to tell you. I'm pretty cool with it. This is just what I know. Or yeah, this is a mess, but you know, I'm going to deal with it someday. You see, there's something actually to being honest about being openly rebellious. The scary thing is that when we're being rebellious towards God, we often convince ourselves that we're not. We try to, we try to hide ourselves or find excuses for things. Growing up, it was one of the things that my dad always taught me was, was he said, he always said, don't make excuses, son. Don't make excuses. And so I learned at a really young age not to come up with reasons that I did something. Why'd you hit your brother? He hit me first. Okay. You know, that's, that's the excuses that I would come up with to try to rationalize my decisions. And it, the more you do that, the more you convince yourself that your actions are just fine. It's living, it's living a lie. Last week, if you were here, um, okay, let's raise our hands again. Who was here last week? Sweet, you are like 100% for 2016. Look at you guys. Church attendance, well done. Um, so last week at the end of uh, Pastor Stewart's message, which, which he did a great job. Stewart did an awesome job. I'm so excited to have him on our team. Um, but uh, Stewart ended with, uh, with a survey for you guys, a, a survey about um, just where's your spiritual health at? Where's your, if you're married, where's your marital health at? Um, and there was a question on there about uh, sexuality and about pornography. And so if you're around our church for a little while, you're going to know that we talk about this issue occasionally. Um, we've just realized that pornography isn't really good for anybody. 
It's, it's not good for anybody, we're realizing. So uh, maybe, maybe it's cool in your life, you think it's just fine, but we are just realizing this is an issue, and uh, we're going we're gonna to constantly talk about why this is an issue. And, and uh, so we wanted to take the temperature of our church on the issue of pornography a little bit. And, uh, and so we asked, like, do you look at pornography daily, weekly, occasionally, or never were the options? So the national statistic is that well over 50% of people view pornography at least once a week. And the, the, that's mostly, that's, that's the male statistic for women. It's a little lower, but it's still pretty high for women as well, which surprises a lot of people. Um, according to our um, 348 surveys, 3% of ACF Church looks at pornography. We have nailed it! I am so excited that we have nailed, like, I, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if I should be really excited or terrified. I, I really don't. I'm like, I'm looking at this with Stuart and I'm like, that can't, is that right? Are we, did we really like conquer the pornography issue in ACF church? I, I can't, I can't, 12 people of 348 decided to say that they, and I'm like, I'm just thinking of the guy, and maybe this is you. I'm sorry if I'm singling you out, who's sitting next to his wife filling out the, the survey and he's like, uh, never. <laughs> yeah, it's that sad. I'm just, you know, or the wife, same thing. Or the teenager, my mom is sitting next to me. There's no stinking way I am going to circle anything, but never, Brian. So I, I get it. Who wants to be in an authentic church? Ready? One, two, three, go. All of us. Yes, we do. Um, I, you know, I get it. I get it's weird. I get it's hard. And you're like, what are you going to do with this information? You can like fingerprint it. Are you going fi- like, to find me later? Track me down? What's your plan, Pastor? I, I get that that's weird. But I just, I was looking at that and I'm like, I, I want to believe it. But I got to be honest with you. I don't believe it. I just don't. It's a bigger issue than that. Um, so we're throwing all our surveys out. We're like, it's worthless. <laughs> Why do we do that anyway? <laughs> stupid information. Anyway, we're trying to help here. We're trying to help you out. Are you lying to yourself? What are the lies that you're putting out there right now? What are the, what are the ways that you're deceiving people? One of the ways that I think that you can find out what your life actually looks like, this guy named Dr. Henry Cloud talks about what's called the wake. The wake. And if you've ever been on a boat or if you own a boat, what you know is that when the hull of a boat cuts through the water, it pierces the surface tension of the water, and behind the boat is what's called the wake. It's these little waves, and it's the way that the water performs as the propeller in the boat travels through the water. It's a wake. And so what he says, and what I would say to you tonight, is that behind everybody is what's called a wake. Behind your life is a wake. And so if you want to know, am I being honest with myself about who I really am? What you need to do is turn around and check out your wake. And your wake is all of the things behind you. Are people, just ask yourself these questions, are people around you thriving? That's your wake. Are the people in your life, in your circles thriving? Are they doing really good? That's a product, a wake of your life. Do people generally think well of you? Do people generally, now I'm not saying, you, you know, some coworker doesn't have some kind of issue with you or something, like that's just going to happen. But in general, in the community and just around relationships that you have, are you thought, are, are you thought well of? Are you thought well of? That, that does mean something. That's your wake. If they don't think well of you and you're going, well, Brian, you know, Christ said that we would be hated, you know, are you hated for, because, because you're telling everybody about Jesus, or are you hated for your sin? I mean, be honest with yourself. Are you hated because you're like Christ or because you're not like Christ? I, I hope it's because we're like Christ. That's your wake. Is the situation better when you show up or worse? Like when you walk into something, you walk into a mess, you walk into a room. And people are like, hey, Brian's here. Is it better or is it worse? That's your wake. What do you bring with you? Do people ask you your opinion? Do people in your life, does anybody want your opinion about things? That's part of your wake. Maybe you give it all the time. They're like, you're going to tell us, so we're not going to ask you. So, like, that's part of your wake, you know. Uh, do people open up to you naturally? You find that people just, when they sit down with you, they kind of want to share some things about their life that, you know, it might take a little while, but you have a way of, you know, people being honest around you. This is all your wake. 
you probably have some more stuff. But as you look at your life, you look at your marriage, you look at your friendships, you look at the way that your teachers at school view you, the way that your friends view you, the way that you view your situation, look back and see what you have caused to happen. You can look back in the past year and say, what, what does my wake look like? And how much of that has to do with who I am? And am I seeing the things that are causing the wake that I'm seeing behind me? 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? So Paul is challenging the Corinthian church to test themselves. He's acknowledging that there are people throughout the church who would say that they are believers in Jesus, but really aren't. And who have maybe even convinced themselves that they are believers in Jesus. But when they look back at their wake, they don't see anything that looks like Christ behind them. And so he's saying, examine yourselves, test yourselves. And this isn't a fear-based, like, I don't want you to go home. Like, if you're a believer in Jesus, I don't want you every day waking up wondering, like, oh, if I die today, I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. Like, this isn't an issue of, like, you're worried about eternal security or something. But this is a real test to, to give yourself, just to sit down and go, what does my wake look like? Does it look like people are seeing the kingdom of God through me? Is that what's in my wake? That it looks a lot what, like Jesus' wake when he was, he was around. Like I'm seeing people come into life because of my life. And we can all get better at it, but this is one way to see how we're doing. So that's the first step. I think another way to receive peace with who you are. I know you're not going to be perfect, but another way to find peace in this is uh, to be receptive to input. This is where you involve the people around us, which is so very important. Um, Maybe you're like, okay, Brian, is this like pastor talk? Are you just encouraging us to do this? Are you receiving input? How is this working in your life? Um, I have a lot of different rings of relationships in my life. I have a small group that meets at our house, a a life group. And uh, when I started pastoring here a year ago, um, I thought about canceling it because I thought um, that's just a lot going on in my life. I need some space. I don't have time for this right now is what I thought. And then I thought, I don't think that I should isolate myself. I think maybe the worst thing a pastor can do is isolate himself from people because the reality is I don't see a lot of the things that are going on in my own life. I need people in my life who know me well, who can can talk to me, who I can encourage and can encourage me. So I have a small group. I have really close friends. I kind of have an inner circle of people that I text and call about things that are going on in my life who can give me input, who I get input from. I have mentors, uh, pastors that I really respect that uh, are just loving, caring people who are really good at what they do, who I go to and ask questions of. Um, I have a spiritual mentor who meets with me once a month. It's kind of like spiritual counseling. Um, So if you're afraid of counseling, uh, I do it. I encourage you to as well if you need that. But um, And most of us, just so you know, need that. And so I get that once a month. I sit down with him, and he kind of just picks my brain on some stuff. He brings me back around. We spend some time praying about what God's saying to me in my own life. And so just so you know, this is something I really value, is the input of other people. Now, now I understand this is, this is not something that you can get from every circle, that, you know, I, I treat every circle differently. Like, if I don't know you and you come up to me today after church and you're like, Brian, I see a big problem in your life, I'm going to be like, oh, okay. And I'll walk away, and uh, that's going to carry a different weight than if somebody in my inner circle comes to me and says, Brian, um, man, we got to talk. you got to talk. I think, you're, I think you're running towards a cliff. That's just, it's just going to be different, and that's good. That's good to have different circles of openness, and you're going to have to figure the messiness of that out, like what's okay to share here versus there, but you've got to have a place where you can be yourself. You've got to have a place where you're sharing the stuff that you're hiding, the monster in the corner in your life. You need to let it out. You've got to be honest about it. Here's a question to ask. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Just ask somebody that question. Are you terrified? What is it like to be on the other side of me? My friend, my wife, my husband, a coworker. What's it like? Because you don't, no matter how much you think you know, you don't know. I have no idea. It freaks me out sometimes. I'm like, what do people say when I'm not in the room? You know? You think that you know, but let me just tell you, you don't know until you ask. And if you don't want to ask, it is 
probably a sign that you're not ready to hear the things that could be true. Now, then you might say, well, Brian, we don't want to put too much weight on what other people think and whatever other people feel. I totally agree with that. That's why you ask multiple people. You ask three or four people, what is it like to be on the other side of me? You know what you're going to start to see? You're going to see a thread of truth right up the middle. You're going to hear some peripheral stuff, you know. Yeah, well, you stole my lawnmower last Tuesday. You never wrote it back. I'm kind of ticked about that. I mean, you're going to hear some peripheral stuff, but you're also going to hear, yeah, you know, I just, man, I feel like, like I feel like you snap at me all the time. Like you just, you're short. And there's going to be things that you know about and some things that you didn't know about. But that's a scary question. And so the level of your blood pressure when you think about asking that question is directly proportional to the number of secrets that you have. If you're like, I don't want to ask somebody about that, it's probably a sign that you really need to ask somebody that question. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This is cool. He says, if you walk in the light, you're going to have fellowship with one another. What he's saying there is that authenticity builds community. Have you seen this in your life? It's, it's, I see it in my life group, you guys, that when we get together, we spend time together and somebody's honest, we walk away feeling tight, like we know each other. Like, we're, like we have a, a, a deep relationship with other, other men in the circle. That's so good for us because authenticity builds community. Something compelling about people who are just real about... Some of you here are, are here for the first time and you, you saw a lot of hands up and you're blown away. You're like, I have never seen anything like this in my life. But So if authenticity builds community, then that means dishonesty breeds isolation. If you're the kind of person that hides your stuff, if you're not too real with too many people, what you're going to do is you're going to look around at some point and you're going to see that you're kind of alone. And you may be in a crowd of people, but you feel very alone. And the reason you feel alone is because none of these people really know the monster, right? You've just never shown it to them. And you're like, I don't know what you would do. Because you, like me, grew up knowing that if you can hide those things and project these things, people will like you. They'll receive you. But you know what? at some point you realize that those relationships weren't real anyway. That all of what you thought you had didn't really exist. And when you find that one person who's willing to be okay with the monster in the corner, and if they're a good uh, friend or somebody that really loves you, they're going to help you deal with the monster in the corner. If that's somebody who is in your life, then you're going to be like, that's the deepest relationship I've ever had in my life. And what I know about you today is that everybody here needs that. And maybe you're new to church, and maybe you don't know about all this Christianity stuff, but you need that. And I need that. Authenticity builds community. And you maybe have seen this too, that when somebody's honest, man, it sets other people free, doesn't it? Have you been in a circle where everybody's kind of like doing the dance, being fake, and then somebody just throws a bomb in the middle and you're all like, oh, awesome. You too, right? You too, yep. Yep, had a fight with my wife 20 minutes ago. There's Ten of, ten of others of you that are like, oh, us too, awesome. Like, we're not alone. That's so cool. I think that the, that's what happens. We, it builds community. But understand this, that, that authenticity isn't the end game. This is really key for you guys. It's key for me, that authenticity isn't the end game. Here's the problem, is that in some Christian circles, like, notice this, in some Christian circles, sin has become the source of solidarity. Think about that. If you're a Christian here today, you've been in circles where your sin has been the source of your solidarity, where, where you have used the, the, the issues in your life, the monster in the corner, as a reason to connect with other people without ever dealing with the monster. That's not good. Christ-centered authenticity deals with the issue. It deals with the problems. Th that means that you get in a circle with other men or women who are believers, who say, we don't want this and we want to live a better life. We are in the light now. Christ has come in. He's given me a new life. I want to live like I've been given a new life. That means the monster has to go. I'm sick of living with it. I'm done. And you're going to keep living with it if you don't share it with somebody. And so you get together with other people that are good friends, that are people that love you enough to be like, I'm not okay with you dealing with this, and I'm not okay with me dealing with this anymore. We're not going to use our sin as our solidarity. We're going to use Christ and our salvation 
as our solidarity. And we're going we're gonna to dance around what Christ has done for us instead of dancing around our sin. You guys get that? It's a, it's a different kind of community. It's different because in a world that loves authenticity and a culture that's like, just go be you in the church, it should be be like Christ because that's who you are. And then we help each other go there. The, the third one is this, be the better you. Be the better you. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen, it gets better. It does, it gets better. You get cleaned up. You get cleaned up by Christ. By Christ, not by you. Fixing your issues, not by you altering your behavior. You get cleaned by Christ. He makes you new. And so, be the better you. What does this really mean? Is this like a game, like a semantics game? No, for me, it's like this. As a leader, sometimes I have to ask myself this question, what would a really good leader do? Or as a dad, I have to ask myself this question, what would a really good dad do? Um, And that may sound weird to you, but that may really work for some of you. Because what I realize is sometimes I don't see myself as a good leader. I don't see myself as a good dad or a good husband. And so sometimes I have to think about what would a really good dad do in this moment? You know what? He'd get down in the floor and he'd just play with Legos with his son. That's what what a good dad would do. And I go, ah, want to be a good dad. You know, what would a good husband do? He'd probably bring her flowers once in a while. So I guess I better get some flowers for the wife. What would a good leader do? You know, I guess he'd be authentic. He'd be honest about his mistakes. You know, he'd deal with them. And he'd, he'd move on instead of trying to blame somebody else. So what would, what would the best you do? Maybe you need to ask yourself that question and be real about it. Here's the thing I want to deal with, too, is that... Um, for some people, this feels like hypocrisy. It feels like you're faking it. It's like, I'm being what I'm not. Here's what you need to understand is that living by what you believe instead of by what you feel isn't hypocrisy, it's integrity. Living by what you believe instead of by what you feel isn't hypocrisy, it's integrity. It's different. What you believe, if you believe, if you're a Christian here today, you're like, the old is gone, the new has come, I've been given a new life in Christ. If you believe that, that is your belief. And so when you look at those behaviors and the ways that you feel, the ways that you want to act, and you reject those things, that is not hypocrisy, that is integrity. It's a big, big difference. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. He's basically saying that you are made new and yet you're caught in the middle in this place where yet you're still a mess and you still make mistakes and you're still learning what it's like to live like Christ. The last thing is this. You're never going to find peace with yourself until you find peace with God. This is so key. If you're here tonight and you're like, Brian, it's a new year and I know I'm going to mess up some of my New Year's resolutions and I want to be a better person. I want to look back in 2017 at 2016 and know that I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm going somewhere. I am moving on. You're not going to find peace with yourself until you find peace with God. Because guess what? After everything that you try to do this year, after every goal that you try to meet, whether you meet them or not, you're still going to be stuck with the reality that there's a, there's a mess in your life. And like we started tonight with the fact that we're all a mess, somebody has to deal with the mess. And it's not going to be you. Some of you saw somebody raise, your, raise their hand when I said, are you a mess? And you're like, are you kidding me? You're like perfect. You're like an angel compared to me. But that's the reality. We're all still going to be a mess. So there's a way to take steps forward, to be motivated for new things, excited about new opportunities and new possibilities. And also understand that no matter how much better you get, there's still a gap between you and the Father. And that one day we will see the fullness of this come to fruition in our lives. He says, what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when, we, when he appears, we shall be like him. So it's time to be honest with yourself. It's time to be honest with God. It's time to find peace with God. I just want to close with this story. I, my daughter, Cadence, she teaches me a lot of stuff, and um, I'm always telling stories about my kids. It's just where I'm at, so uh, get over that if you don't like that. But my kids teach me a lot of stuff. 
And uh, my wife and I, um, it was probably a month ago, we, we sometimes have, uh, I guess what I would call like audibly elevated discussions. Um, and uh, yeah, I know. And so I'm just being real with you. And so we, we had an audibly elevated discussion in the house. And I'm always like, ah, oh, the kids are hearing this and we're kind of freaking out at each other and dealing with a problem. And so we get done, and what we've made the decision as a couple is that when we do this in the home, we not only apologize to each other, we apologize to our children. And that stinks. That is so hard if you're a parent to apologize to your kids. And so I grabbed Cadence, and I sat down with her, and I'm like, Cadence, uh, Mommy and Daddy, we got a little upset with each other. And I'm looking in her eyes, I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I'm really sorry. And she goes, okay, let's play. And I'm like, no, hold on. Like, I'm almost wanting her to be upset and be like, are you never going to do it again? You know, like, are you sure you're sorry? Or like, are you going to do it again? Like, I'm almost feeling like I deserve that. Have you ever felt that? Like, you deserve a little bit. And she's like, okay, let's go play. So weird. And, and, and when I thought about that, I was like, that's just the way that Christ is to us. That's how it works, you guys. You can literally talk about the monster and you'd be like, listen, God, it's a mess. You've seen it the whole time. This is the first time I'm being honest about it. I'm sorry. And just like that, there's forgiveness. In a moment, you are cleansed and made new. The next step is that if God let it go, so should you. That's hard though, isn't it? It's hard when he's like, okay, that sin is as far as the east is from the west. It's gone for you to go, oh, but it's not, it's not, it's still there. If God lets it go, so should you. Some of you tonight have been carrying around this monster that should have been let go of years ago. And you just need to know that if God let it go, so should you. Let it go tonight. So for Christians, uh, as we close up tonight, and we do have a big tank of water up here, um, one of the things that we do as the first sign of authenticity as a new believer is something called baptism. And baptism is a symbol of our death to our sin and our new life in Christ. We go under the water, symbolize our death to sin, like Christ died for us. We come out of the water, symbolizing our new life in Christ. And, and it's a command in Scripture because he's, it, it's, it's basically saying, listen, I'm not going to hide my faith. And it's a big deal that we, not, that we do that. Jesus, he makes this statement. He says, if you're ashamed of me, then I'm gonna be ashamed of you when I return. Which I know sounds scary, but what he's, he's not trying to get you in the water just to get you wet. He's trying to de- help you deal with the reality that if you're not willing to, to, to say, I am a believer in Jesus, to go public with your faith, to act upon the faith that you say that you have, then you may not have real faith. So Jesus confronts that and says, are you ashamed of me? That's what baptism is, is an opportunity for you to go public and say, listen, I know it's not I'm, not, I'm not all fixed. I know I'm not all better, but I do know I need a savior and I believe Jesus is the one. And that's all it is. 